Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the expository story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. Who is the greatest in the kingdom? Yeah. Who, Jesus, who do you think one day of all of us disciples will be the greatest in the kingdom? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. Who, who do you think it'll be? What? What a question. I mean, is that not the most arrogant question you've ever heard? And did the disciples really ask this very question of Jesus? Well, it seems like they did. Sometime later, as the disciples were gathered around Jesus, as they were making their way south to Jerusalem and the cross, some of the disciples came up to him and asked him this very question, who will be the greatest in the kingdom? Now, I wonder if it was James or John who was jealous of the attention Peter was getting. I mean, Jesus had just told Peter he was the rock. He was going to build his church on Peter. Or maybe after seeing the transfiguration, Peter, James, and John were arguing about this very thing. You know, Peter says, uh, I think Moses, Elijah, and then one of us will be the greatest in the kingdom. And then James says, well, who says it's one of us? And John says, well, we did get to see the transfiguration, right? It has to be one of us. We've got privilege. Why would they be debating this anyway? Doesn't good manners stop you from even having such a debate in public? I mean, you may think this in your head, but to honestly, openly debate this, you know, it'd be like debating today amongst all your friends. Uh, uh, Who do you think will have the bigger mansion? Or who do you think will be the bigger man on campus in heaven one day with all the rewards. Oh, it'll be me. Oh, it'll be me. No, no, it'll be me. Me. No, no, you're both wrong. It's Dave, the sound guy from church. No, no, no. It can't be Dave, the sound guy, because he's always messing up the slides. And, and so the debate would rage on among you and your friends. But who in their right mind would even have such a debate? Was this normal for the time to have a debate like this? I do wonder how different we are today. I mean, I think many of us fight for position, right? For prestige, to be seen of men. We may not say it, but many people live as if rank matters. Sadly, we're no different from the disciples. Uh, Some people pick positions in the church to be up front. You know, we'd rather teach and preach than serve and sacrifice. Well, Jesus was not about to have any of this. You can imagine he's walking along, hearing their ridiculous argument, and he just stops. He picks up a little child amongst all the kids that would often follow, I imagine, the disciples and Jesus. And he just stops, and he picks up a little child, and he turns around, and and he puts this child in the middle of these disciples and their hot debate. You know, I wonder if the disciples stopped and why is there a little boy or girl standing in the middle of our group? Probably Thaddeus is thinking, what is this kid doing here? Get him out of here. Children are to be seen and not heard. And, and sadly, that was the attitude toward children in this time period. 
children had no standing, and girls in particular were seen as worthless. It was such a sad attitude towards children. What was coveted was strength and power and military might, and children didn't have any of that. They were weak and vulnerable. And so Jesus plopped the opposite of what they were debating right in front of their eyes. A child. Maybe four or five years old. A little child. Weak, defenseless, and useless regarding what he or she could accomplish. At least that is the way the world looked at this child. But for Jesus, this child was exactly what he was looking for from any of his disciples. Jesus goes on to say, Truly I tell you, unless you turn and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child, this one is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one child like this in my name welcomes me. Matthew 18, verses 3 through 5. See, in God's kingdom, everything is turned upside down from the human kingdom, right? Strength and power are the things most to be desired in man's kingdom, but in God's economy, in God's kingdom, it's the exact opposite. It's humility and service that counts. Well, this was a direct rebuke to the disciples and a direct answer to their silly argument. No one who thinks they are the greatest will be the greatest. So, as it stands right now, the title of greatest in the kingdom won't be going to any of these disciples. I imagine the disciples are stunned and a little taken aback and probably pause and start to think how embarrassed and ashamed they are. They're probably humbled. And you know what? That is just the place Jesus wanted his students to be. When they've dropped their guard, when his students have got a new taste for humility, that's the exact time when you, as a person, you're more open to direction and instruction. And when you've dropped your guard, when you've realized your sin, when you have a new taste of your own stupidity, and you understand, man, I should be ashamed of what I just thought, now is a time when Jesus steps in and takes that opportunity of a soft heart and a teachable spirit And that's the type of person he can begin to mold into his image. So Jesus sits down, indicating to his disciples that he was about to start teaching. And his humiliated, ashamed, but hopefully wiser disciples sit down around Jesus. And as they sit down and sit around Jesus, Jesus begins to speak. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to fall away, it would be better for him if a heavy millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of offenses, for offenses will inevitably come, but woe to the person by whom the offense comes. 
If your hand or your foot causes you to fall away, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life maimed or lame than to have two hands or two feet and be thrown into the eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to fall away, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell fire. I imagine Jesus then grabs the little boy or girl and pulls them in for a hug. And then he takes the little tyke and sits him on his lap. And and then Jesus continues to speak. See to it that you don't despise one of these little ones. Because I tell you that in heaven their angels continually view the face of my Father in heaven. What do you think? If someone has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, won't he leave the ninety and nine on the hillside and go and search for the stray? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he rejoices over that sheep more than over the ninety and nine that did not go astray. In the same way, it is not the will of your Father in heaven that one of these little ones perish. Then Jesus maybe noticed that in the circle of disciples sitting around him, some of them maybe had angry looks on their face as they looked at the disciples who were arguing over who would be the greatest. Maybe they were looking at Peter, James, and John if they were the ones arguing over who would be the greatest. And maybe Jesus notices that they're beginning to whisper among themselves and whisper and look at those arrogant disciples. How dare they think they would be the greatest? Who do they think they are? And I wonder if Jesus, seeing this, then begins to speak about sin and about reconciliation. Because he goes on to say in Matthew 18, verse 15, if your brother sins against you, go tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. But if he won't listen, take one or two others with you so that by the testimony of two or three witnesses, every fact may be established. If he doesn't pay attention to them, tell the church. If he doesn't pay attention even to the church, let him be like a Gentile and a tax collector to you. Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will have been loosed in heaven. Again, truly, I tell you, if two of you on earth agree about any matter that you pray for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there among them. Jesus started with a little child and then ends with a brother or sister that's falling away and how to reconcile with them in your church. He says there will be a woe on anyone who causes this little child to fall away from the Lord. And then he ends with how to go about restoring a brother or sister in the Lord who has fallen away. And then in the middle of a sermon, Jesus then says, it is better to give up the sin or the thing that is causing you to fall away from following him than to actually stop following Jesus. Why? Because if you quit following Jesus, you will end up separated from God and hell for eternity. But then Jesus goes back to talking about the child in his lap and how these little ones, when they die, are treasured in heaven.
And their eternal spirits get the high privilege of seeing the face of God and of being in his presence every moment. And then Jesus swings back to start talking about the erring brother or sister that has fallen away and talks about how the good shepherd leaves the sheep in the fold to go and find that one sheep who has fallen away, to win them back, to bring them back to the fold. Now, Jesus has called himself, right, the good shepherd before. And here the disciples would be imagining Jesus leaving the sheep who are committed to following Jesus to go out and find the one who has fallen away and is far from God to pick them up, to put them on his shoulders and bring them back to the safety of the fold. Then he ends this great sermon with how they the disciples, the future church members, the future leaders of the church, how they should go about rescuing their erring brothers and sisters who have fallen away, and how to go about restoring them within the church. Little ones, fallen away. These are two key terms in this sermon, and how you define these two terms will determine how you end up understanding what Jesus is saying in this long sermon. Now, falling away means to leave the faith, to stop following Jesus. But then sometimes the term falling away means to cause actual physical or spiritual harm. Little ones at times means as it sounds. It describes a child. But then sometimes Jesus means church members who have fallen away spiritually when he talks about little ones. If you were a disciple and you weren't listening carefully, I imagine you could easily think Jesus meant little child the whole time, right? Isn't that what he meant? But those who had ears to hear who had a spiritual ear to discern Jesus' words, and, and those who have spiritual eyes to discern, they'd understand that Jesus, what he meant by the term little ones, well, sometimes it was an actual little child, but sometimes it was a sinning saint. I wonder, you know, at the end of his sermon, if many of the disciples were confused, you know? I wonder how many of them had no clue what Jesus just said. And these are the ones that had no clue that Jesus was about to be crucified and that he was going to die. And they definitely had no clue about his coming resurrection. Why? Because this sermon shows Jesus didn't always speak in clear terms. And sometimes he would what we call code switch and use one term in one context, but then another term and it would mean something completely different in another context. He would use it in a completely different way. Little ones falling away. But in the end, the message of Jesus' sermon It's pretty simple. Number one, anyone who messes with a child spiritually and physically is in big, big trouble. Why? Because Jesus declares a woe on you and he is coming for you. Number two, 
If you are given up on your faith in Jesus and you've decided to quit following Jesus for whatever reason, if your heart is beginning to grow cold towards Jesus and obeying his commands, the Bible is starting to become just another book, and, and you just start to wonder if it's really worth following Jesus when especially maybe a relationship shows up in your life and that person doesn't want to follow Jesus, but you really like that person and you want to follow them. Or, or maybe you want popularity or fame or money and you know if you keep following Jesus, it's going to cost you and maybe you shouldn't and you start to wander. You quit going to church. You quit reading your Bible. You quit praying. You quit following Jesus. Jesus, and if that's you, Jesus says, secondly, you need to worry and take action. Jesus says, if you're unwilling to obey him because you love some worldly comfort, some worldly thing more than Jesus, Jesus says, you better cut that thing out of your life. Gouge out your eye, he says. Chop off your hand. It would be better to lose a limb or an eye or whatever that thing that the world offers. It is better to lose it and to go into life hobbling and only able to see out of one eye than to lose out on Jesus and the chance for eternal life. Number three, if you are that person, and if you are starting to err, to leave the faith, hey, I want to encourage you. Jesus will not let you go without coming after you. That's number three. He will seek you. He will leave the other church members who are secure in their faith to pursue you. He doesn't want to lose you, and he'll never give up pursuing you. And if you are his, if you are one of his sheep, be encouraged. Be encouraged. You will come back. Be encouraged, parent of a child who has wandered from the faith. According to the very words of Jesus, he will search for them and rejoice when he brings your child back to the safety of the fold. And finally, if there are little ones in your church who have left and started down a path towards sin, if, if there are little ones in your church who are practicing sinful behavior, Jesus lays out the path to restoration and reconciliation and to bring them back to the fold safely. He says, number one, you, 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 go, confront them. Be brave. Be bold. Don't let them wander away. You need to confront them. You go and confront them. Number two, if they refuse to hear you, then bring an elder or deacon from your church to go and plead and confront that person to bring them back. And then number three, if that lost sheep, if that little one refuses to listen to both of you, then bring them before the church and have the church plead with them to return. And if this little one, this lost sheep, refuses to listen even to the whole church, then sadly they were not one of the fold. They were never one of Jesus' sheep. The church body is to refuse to fellowship with them 
to turn their backs and shun them in hopes that that might bring them back. I can imagine Jesus delivers this sermon. And the disciples look at each other. And some wonder what he just said. And others in that circle of disciples, they get it. They understand. And listener, I hope you and me are one of those disciples who understand. And we understand what it means to be a little one. And we understand the dangers of falling away. And I hope that we will never, ever be a stumbling block to a little one. That I will never, ever cause a child or another church member to ever fall away, to ever wander away from God. May that not be said of me. But I also pray that you and I, we will be the one who goes out talks to that little one who has fallen away, takes him by the hand, helps to pick them up and bring them home. May we be restorers and reconcilers because that's what Jesus wanted his disciples to be. He did not want them to debate forever who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom, but instead to go out to serve others and to bring others to reconciliation back into the safety of the fold. Thank you for listening to Baldhead Bible Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can comment on our Facebook page or email us at baldheadbible at gmail.com. If you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash baldheadbible. Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. New episodes added every week.